0: Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC, Follow the Money, Investing with Purpose, show where we have real conversations with the people who are driving change in our community. I'm excited to have my guest on today because this is the first time we've had a kind of where are they now update. So I'm having Mr. Wilson Acton join me on the show today. How are you doing, Wilson? I'm
1: doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, my pleasure. This is April 19, 2022. So we're almost, we're not even, at, we're now not even have a year. That feels like it was a different world. <laughs> we're just coming out of COVID a year later. I don't even want to think about that. That was even a thing now. How quickly we block, we blocked that out. But we had uh, an episode focused around the birth of a pre-seed fund, where we really got into the nuts and bolts. And I, I've re- listened to it this morning. It's always fun to go back and listen. And we did a lot of co- talking around just it, my my goal was to help our audience also understand some of the terminology and some of the verbiage. But now fast forward X amount of months later, you've been doing the thing. You've had some progress. You've had some growth. You've 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 gone to market, invested in some companies. You've had some people you know, put some money on the table. Let's give an update. What what have you been up to? What's Tallgrass been doing? And uh, fill us in, and we'll go on a little bit of a, of a where are we now journey.
1: Right on. Yeah, you know I agree with you. It's hard to believe it was only April, uh, you know, 2022 that, that that we had that conversation. You know, back then we were, you know, really, uh, you know, building what it was that we thought we were going forward with, and and on, you know, very kind of early in that journey, architecting it really. Um, of what has you know what is now Tallgrass Ventures you know kind of fast forward um, very busy throughout last year and continue to be this year um, you know we we you know it's funny when you build a fund like this when you raise a fund like this you also have to build a whole firm around it you know there's more than just a fund you, you also have to build kind of the business um, the operating entity and so you know we've done that we've we've brought on a bunch of excellent people um, you know kind of really powerful thought leaders, uh, well-connected folks in the agriculture and food space into our team, you know, everybody from a different background, which is, uh, you know, really exciting, you really kind of hardened up our approach around the way we add value, the, you know, the way we think um, it, 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 to make companies perform better, uh, grow better, to help them perform better. You know, we, what we say is we're here to help you as a founder build a better business, um and and we put our money where our mouth is and that we invest in your equity so that we're going to benefit if you're benefiting and, and we think that's a powerful alignment of interest but also it's a great way to leverage our our firm's capability our experience having built companies and sold companies um you know folks on our team have driven the international strategies around agriculture tech for big chemical companies um you know and and others and so um, you know that that has been awesome to see that come together, but then also see uh you know what that drove. the theory always was that taking that approach, actually founders want that more than just just a general you know blank check kind of investment. And so you know, the theory always was it would drive better deal flow or um, higher quality deal flow for us to be able to invest in. And so you know, fast forward we, we uh, have been raising our fund. Um, did our first closing on the fund in August, um, which, you know, all things considered, particularly in this capital environment, really fast. Um, we really only started fundraising in May and um, uh, had another closing uh, at Christmas time. And um, we've now got five uh, companies in the portfolio, um, which has been very exciting. And in Q4 last year, uh, we were looking at some of our data. We looked at 150 deals from 12 countries um, in in making those investments, and so you know, deal flow is is really important to uh, you know building a successful um, you know fund or and, and firm like ours, and and we've been absolutely uh, blown away by that.
0: So looking back, and I like to hold you accountable to your numbers. Yeah. We did talk about kind of you need about a hundred to find the one yeah. I think is what we talked about on our last episode. So you've got four now in the, in the mix. Yeah. There's five, sorry, recently just brought one on this morning. You said yeah. earlier, uh, but and you looked at about 150 to end up seeing five to me, based on the education you gave me on our first episode, I encourage people to go back and give that, give that a listen. That seems like pretty good return or that was fairly uh, fruitful kind of hunting grounds.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So t- two things that I, we think is interesting, you know, one, um, the deal quality that we've seen has been really strong, uh, exceeded our expectations. So, so that's part of the function for sure. Um, but the other part is, you know, the numbers are a little bit skewed uh, because we spent a bunch of time prior to Q4, um, you know, hunting out deals and, and trying to find our best ones. Because ultimately, those first couple of investments that we were making in the fund we wanted to have really high conviction that those were good investments. Um, I appreciate we're that. able to make those yeah. while we're still fundraising. And so when new and new potential investors come in, they go, well, what have you done? Let's look at, you know, kind of look at what you've done so far. And so wanting to make sure those are really, of course, we want every deal to be really high quality, but but those ones are, you know, important also in the fundraising effort. So yep, some of those are kind helps. of pre-loaded.
0: Well, It proves that's the, that the story, yeah, right? that's right. So you started fundraising in May. It's now we're, we're recording this uh, middle, middle of February. It'll okay. probably come out in the next couple of weeks. So it'll be, it'll out here probably by the, by the first of March, you've got five companies in your, in the portfolio. How's been, the, how's been the raising part of it? Cause you get, there's lots of media out there right now that, oh, capital markets are tightening up. It's hard to find funds. It's, and I've been chatting with you along the way. It sounds like, although it's still work, those funds have been accessible to you guys on this journey.
1: Yeah. We've been, you know, knock on wood. We, we, we've, we've um, we've had good success. Uh, you know, I mentioned, we, we really only started in the spring last year and by August, we, we'd already pulled together our first closing, which were a first, a first fund um, and a, you know, a relatively small fund uh, is, is really strong. Um, we originally set out and said, let's see if we can do a $10 million fund, um, you know, a common size for, for first time kind of emerging managers uh, is the term. And, um, Quickly, you know, we saw a lot of appetite and and you know started to grow up the size our target size. We're now uh, tracking to a a twenty million dollar fund as we've continued to see you know that that demand which has been um, which has been really good. Um, And as I mentioned before, we've we have been continuing to raise capital even as markets have softened. You know, it was interesting, right? FTX blows itself up um, and and kind of the the Shockwaves that sent through all capital markets, not just crypto. Um, you can watch the stock markets; they seized up for a couple of days. So, you know, so so we've continued to be able to push forward, which has been um, which has been really good. And and now we're you know our our sights are set on our our final close here coming up um, in the next uh, few months. Um, you know, and a lot of that's been because of uh, strong demand and and you know people believing in. Um, you know, our approach, but also the space that we're investing, you know, ag and food. Is that tied is huge mind.
0: to what you guys are doing with, with, with ag and, and global food supply and so many of the factors that, you know, I think COVID brought a lot onto people's radar about how fragile maybe some of that access to food and food at scale <laughs> yeah. actually is. And is it, you know, simply put, are you finding dollars freeing up because people are attracted to the space that you're playing in?
1: Yeah, you know, COVID brought food security and and kind of food availability mm-hmm. front of mind to a lot of consumers who had never thought about it and you know i joke i've probably joked on this podcast before about you know it all started <laughs> with toilet paper um uh, at the beginning of covid <laughs> it
0: did i think we all hit yeah it. like everyone
1: <laughs> went to the store and all of a sudden you're running out of toilet paper and 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 people kind of realized, oh wait a minute my food comes from somewhere and what does that mean and then and then we have you know R- russia march into ukraine and everything going on over there you know, in our last time we spoke in April, that was, you know, very fresh. It was just kind of started, you know, how long was this thing going to last? Well, here we are a year on mm-hmm. and, and it's still going and, and unfortunately kind of no end in sight. Well, from a food perspective, um, that is huge. Um, you know, we've taken off 12, 15% of our global um, supply of key staples around, you know, wheat and sunflower and others. And we also knocked off roughly 30% of our global fertilizer supply um yeah you know, so you want to talk about inflation. the knock-on
0: effect of that one is really scary yeah, when exactly. you start to think like run that out over the next few years that yeah. only like you don't really see the worst part of that until the next until like the next couple of years That's right
1: and that doesn't even get us talking about sustainability esg you know emissions reduction um you know in the news we've got talk about nitrogen fertilizer and and uh, you know federal government wants to reduce our reliance by 30 percent on it well okay but you know i got a friend who says he tries to index his income to cucumbers well look at the you know cucumber index today how expensive your food's gotten imagine if we took away 30% of of the key ingredients in making it Oh,
0: talk about, talk about getting ahead of your skis when you, you know, uh, putting numbers out for the sake of numbers. And I appreciate it. It's good to have a goal. And sometimes those goals are lofty, but they don't always feel thought out. You know, this feels like what another, we could go to, this becomes another podcast real quickly here <laughs> yeah, as we we're going to
1: be careful on this one. Yeah.
0: You know, so when you look at some of the companies that you have the opportunity to invest in, Obviously, those are playing those factors, but is there a specific? You know, obviously, you say ag or ag tech. It's a pretty broad, sweeping category for you. Break down, and you know, like, well, let's even. You want to like, let's. I love giving shout outs. Let's talk about some of the companies in your portfolio now. So, who have you invested in, and what have been some of the? You know, of course, I'm 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 a professional creeper. I'm on, I'm on your website. So you've got four cup. You've got four companies listed on here today, and you know one more not added. What is it about these companies that really made them? these were the right companies to get involved in from a tall grass perspective.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of key themes that, that we're uh, watching closely and that, that we think are really going to um, drive our world's relationship with how we produce food fuels fiber over the coming, not just years, like decades. Okay. Um, these are massive trends that cannot be reversed um, or at least not easily because they're driven by things like demographics, um, you know, and, and kind of geopolitical, um, you know, like de- deglobalization, you know, that isn't getting unwound anytime soon. Um, and so and so, we find that really interesting. One, one of those themes is around protein. You know, we've had a lot of talk lately, you know, everyone can talk about impossible foods and beyond meat, plant-based protein, um, which is an, an exciting category for sure. But, you know, what a lot of people keep forgetting is, you know, 85%, 90% of our world's protein consumption still comes from an animal or a fish. And, and frankly, uh, a lot of the world still wants it that way. Um, you know, as you come up with growing middle-class, you're actually trying to move away from a plant-based diet. Um, cause that's where you're consuming for economic reasons and you want to be able to have a steak or a meatball. Yeah. And so yet the investment cycle has not invested at all in, in animal or, or, um, you know, fish-based protein production. And how can we get that more sustainable, more efficient? um you know better, faster, cheaper. So one of the companies we invested in um, is a company uh, by the name of One Cup AI. They're doing really cool stuff with computer vision around livestock production. And so, you know, training the artificial intelligence to be able to identify, well, is this animal it's about to get sick um, or it's about to enter, you know, kind of its breeding cycle or it's about to have its babies, you know, whatever it is, you can do this with really advanced computer vision now. Um, and, and that becomes really powerful when we start to think about leveraging technology, um, to, you know, produce our steak or pork chop or what have you uh, better, mm-hmm. uh, and they can do that across. And, 100- and I've
0: been reading recently, some of those like beyond meat or the, the investment appetite <laughs> I use that word yeah, yeah. specifically has really fallen out that that has really not delivered and that the healthy meat alternative where you can't read 90% of the ingredients because yeah. you don't understand what they are. I, th- I think that market is starting to crack a little bit from what I've been reading, and I don't want to say, "Oh, sorry, I told you so." But being a, a healthy grass-fed, grass-finished, yeah. and all the things about you know proper meat, uh, it did make me smirk a little bit to read that all of a sudden we're realizing that all of this these th- these additives are not good, right? But <laughs> that this was actually a bit of a false profit here. <laughs>
1: it takes a lot of manufacturing um, mm. to take uh, you know peas and lentils and turn them into hamburger, and Uh, You know, I, uh, one of the, I think the things that the public markets realize with these companies being public is, you know, it takes about $650 million of capital expenditure to do that. Well, there's another way to do it, which is actually really efficient and it's called a cow. Um, It too can take (laughs) lentils and peas and turn them into hamburger. Um, And, and it's, you know, one ingredient on the list. And so like, listen, I'm not here to say that, that, you know, all livestock production is good. Like, listen, we can improve it. Um, yeah, and, and absolutely. There's lots of opportunities to
0: do that right. better. I, I'm the first one to agree with that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's our point is, listen, we can do this a lot better. Um, so why don't we focus on that? Because, you know, I, for one kind of, I kind of like eating steak. Um, and, and, uh, you know, the, to me, what got interesting is a, a a friend of mine who runs just over 4,000 restaurants in North America. And, and for a long time, their number one selling hamburger was, uh, was a plant-based burger with uh, American cheese and bacon on it. That was the that was <laughs> the number one. And and he says now now we can barely sell them because everyone's moving over to clean label. What are all these chemicals I'm ingesting? Now everyone's back yeah. on um, you know beef and, and and chicken and other things, which which is interesting. I do yeah. love
0: the the irony of with American che- and bacon. Yeah, but anyways, yeah. Less, uh, not not lost on me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I appreciate the, do, doing it better and with things that are becoming accessible. And I, I think the biggest myth about agri farming is that it's unsophisticated, or that or not that it isn't bleeding edge. And I think you and I, the first episode we did way back in our in our history, was like who has always been the most innovative, and it's farmers, yeah, because they had to.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's it, you know it's really interesting. And so, like speaking of kind of you know innovation and doing things better, one of our other companies uh, by the name of uh, Zilla ZillaWorks, they've developed a patented process to turn vegetable oil into epoxy resin. And so, you know, that's really interesting. We can now grow hemp or flax, uh, you know, canola, soybean, other things, and process that that oil and make, you know, the the epoxies that are floor coatings, paints, you know, the, your desk, your chair, your snowboard, your skis, which is a big market for them as you know, skis, snowboards, out, outdoor gear. Wind turbines, you know, it's basically carbon fiber coated in epoxy resin. Well, we can grow that stuff now. So if you're in the energy transition business, um, building turbines and solar panels and consuming all this epoxy resin, this, you know, or cars, for example, electric vehicles, mm-hmm. this becomes a really interesting product. Um, you know, very, you know, very um, environmentally kind of friendly. So it's just a different way of thinking about something we've already been doing.
0: And also easy to maybe mistake that, that like, oh, that doesn't sound like an egg. That doesn't sound like it fits in the space, but it's what 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 feedstock is yeah. literally coming out of and what you're doing with these different plants, right. these different crops you're able to grow and turn them into something that actually displaces uh, a chemical process,
1: right? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. We can make, you know, in this case, it's epoxy resin. You know, there's other cases where you, we can make aviation fuel. Uh, we can grow it, um, you know, instead of, instead of, you know, mining it or, or drilling it. Um, and there will be a, you know, a place for each. And so it's just kind of rethinking how do, how do we approach some of these, um, kind of big complex problems and, and where can the play in that, um, in that landscape. And that's, and that's kind of where we come in is, is trying to unlock the possible, so to speak.
0: I love it. And just for example, those two companies, uh, are they North American based? Where, where, where are they, where are they geographically?
1: Yeah, so both, both in North America. So Zillow Works is based out of Washington state. Um yeah. uh the uh, cattle identification one, they're they're uh based out of uh downtown Vancouver, Yale Town. Um, which is one of the interesting things. You know, we're looking at deals.
0: Not where that was probably not gonna be my first guess. No, well, <laughs> it
1: wouldn't have been mine either. But like we're seeing stuff <laughs> essentially coast to coast. Um, you know, the co- the company that we just invested in uh today by the name of Vivid Machines, they're doing really cool stuff in in apple orchards. Um uh, again, using using artificial intelligence, machine learning, <clears throat> and um, you know they're based out of um, out of the Toronto area. Their big market is you know Ontario and, and New York. Apple's. Uh, we're looking at stuff out of New Brunswick, Israel, um, the UK. You name it.
0: Interesting. And you're based here in Western Canada, so obviously, sounds like most of your deal flow, from a from a company perspective or portfolio company, has been outside of this market. What about the investors? Have that has that been kind of homegrown, or have you been talking to people, you know, on a much broader scale as as, as well that are showing interest in this?
1: Uh, yeah, we work really hard at talking to, um, you know, kind of as many people as we can, and and I and I don't mean that from like a you know, hey, volume you know generates investment, um, but but it's part of the it's part of the play. Yeah, like, yeah. let's not oh, let's sure. not ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Um, what I mean though is is we've also been intentional about kind of how we've pulled together our investor base. Um, because we see it also as, as almost a secret weapon. So a number of our investors are high net worth individuals, uh, who come from, or family offices who come from agriculture. So we have a number of actual so they've got
0: comfort in, they've already got a comfort and in an interest exactly. and a, an awareness of the space. Yeah, and a,
1: in a lot of cases, they're the, they're the people using the technology. They're the people on the other kind of other end of the innovation. And so they see this as kind of twofold. Um, Hey, they can get an earlier look at stuff. Think of it as a competitive advantage. But also, they get to influence. Yeah, how can we actually build better tech that's going to make my operation better? And so, when you get the the actual primary producers in at the table, we think that's a really powerful conversation to help these companies do better. Um, and a and a huge validation for us that listen. These are the people that are in the industry day in and day out for multiple generations, and and they believe that we can help the you know the change that drives the next uh, kind of the next revolution, so to speak. Um, and so, you know, we've got those, you know, also the, you know, strategic and corporates kind of as a bucket, you know, these are now the enterprises that are within the space. Um, the big mm-hmm. companies that are selling seed, fertilizer, chemical, machines, all that kind of stuff. Um, they too have a vested interest in how can we, you know, evolve the conversation. And then there's, you know, what we call the financial investors. And you'll get family offices and, and kind of large, you know, uh, you know, uh, other investors, funds of funds and and those types of things. In that bucket, what's been interesting there is, you know, agriculture is a really big, complex, messy sector. And if you don't understand it well, it's easy to get yourself in trouble. And but you know, the the tailwinds of agriculture are huge right now. And so a lot of just pure financial investors are trying to figure out how to get more exposure to the space. And other than buying nutrient publicly traded stock or, you know, the few others that are out there right. or going out and physically buying farmland, there's really very few ways to to get good exposure to what's happening in, in agriculture and food. Um, and so we found, you know, a lot of people interested there of how do I increase my agriculture exposure, um, without buying Saskatchewan farmland.
0: <laughs> it's good to have all alternatives. Yeah. Thinking about the space and thinking about just, you know, the startup ecosystem in general and new ideas, new businesses, and you specifically invest in in companies that are very early in their stage of of development. What have you seen in that space around the willingness and the openness to adoption? The, you know, I'm just looking at one cup AI, I'm a farmer, I've got, you know, 500 head or whatever the case may be, or am I open to trying this kind of technology? And I've seen farmers, and I know of quite a few of them, with the robotic milking machines and some of that stuff when it was like, nobody had that. But there was always somebody in the community that was willing to kind of test that, and everybody watched (laughs) to see because these are usually in pretty tight knit environments, oftentimes, and small farms to large. Large-scale large corporate is there a willingness to try things differently because you know farmers know their numbers they know they're they're sometimes splitting pennies is there an openness to this new technology specifically I'm just using picking livestock because yep. that's so like that is in the field like that's real time
1: yeah for sure and there is um you know agri- farmers are people too you know it sounds funny right let's kind of step the <laughs> bar there true story yeah, true yeah, story well, yeah mm-hmm. here's you know brainwaves um and so but the reason I raise that is because farmers you know, they follow a typical talk uh, tech adoption kind of curve or cycle as well. And, okay. um, uh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm blanking on the author's name. Anyway, like the, the kind of the gap and you get the early, early adopters and then you, then you kind of get the messy middle and then the fast followers. And,
0: yeah. To, we've, uh, we've all seen the, the, the It's a right, big curve. Fair enough to imply that it's somehow different in this space right. than somewhere else. This may be the silly. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly the same. And so
1: you get your, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of people that love the technology and want to play with it and get involved. You know, we're, we're uh, lucky to have some of those as our investors and, and even those who aren't investors who are you know, close friends of ours um, through our network, uh, friends of a firm that we can kind of talk to and play with and, and, and help send companies in that direction. And they're happy to get in there and, and, and we need them in there because we also want their feedback. How can this thing be better for you? Because then there's another group out there that are often watching and going, well, I get it and this is neat, but where does it make me money? And who really cares? Yeah, yeah. And so that is, you know, that's a much bigger part of the curve. And, and one of the things that we say all the time to our portfolio companies and those we speak to is, listen, you got to remember, you got to meet the customer where they are, not necessarily where you are. And there's- Yeah, don't fall in love with the problem.
0: Fall in, fall in love with the customer's version of the problem. Right.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so how do we build solutions that they want to adopt because they see the value in it? It actually drives forward what they need to do you know, kind of, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, that's a big, uh, big part of it. But when you think about agriculture, and we've talked about this before, when you think about agriculture as a whole, the farmer is a very innovative, tech forward thinking individual because they had to for survival. We just didn't call it technology over all these years. I was just going to
0: say the word technology can be what misleads you in that situation,
1: right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, because technology is broader than software. I've banged on that drum before.
0: Totally. From from I remember when no till was it was starting to right. and the farmers that were willing to take the risk on potentially a crop or less yield because they're like, Well, let's try this. We're gonna save fertilizer, but we're gonna then not plow our field in the fall. And yeah. like some of those things when I was back living on a farm way back twenty plus years ago, you know, there was always that that group that was willing to try those things that were emerging ways of doing it that arguably would be called new tech, but it wasn't a computer or a piece of software. That's right. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: I remember that was back in the day when I think Green Star was just coming on Where Right. you get that under John Deere under John Deere. Yes. And I was like, you know, I kinda of got out of left moved away from the farm at that time. But it was start it was about to get really cool when it comes to like if you really wanted to geek out on the tech, these pieces of equipment were becoming very technologically advanced very quickly. Yeah, and even more <laughs> almost so faster now. than the guys that were operating them, like not yeah. even knowing how to capitalize on the on the tech. It's actually
1: <laughs> an interesting thing. Like you talk about kind of um you know about that we've seen a bunch of people that have been attracted to the you know ag tech space that don't come out of agriculture at all but because these problems are so big and complex and interesting you know the amount of technology in a in a machine now or or the biotechnology associated with how do we think about kind of making our next generation of crops or fibers like all this kind of stuff you know how do we rethink you know, forget kind of government mandates, but how do we rethink nitrogen and its role in the world, and its and its impact on our environment and our ability to feed ourselves? You know, I've read somewhere that that the Haber Bosch process, which is how we make um, nitrogen fertilizer today, um, is the is the single largest life saving invention in the history of the world, um, and people don't think of it. That <laughs> okay, way, but like, <laughs> all right, you oops, got my right? attention. <laughs> way bigger than yeah. penicillin and all this sort of stuff, but because it was starvation. <laughs> Um, I love you just dissed penicillin. Yeah, right. <laughs> you don't get a lot of opportunities to throw shade at penicillin, but here we are.
0: No, not usually. No, it's not something I've, I, I, it's never been on the show. No one's ever brought it
1: up. <laughs> well, we're trying to break new ground here with you, Tyler. So, I like,
0: appreciate that, man. We, you don't, hey, we're having you back on for the third time. You got to come with some fresh <laughs> content.
1: <laughs> but, but that's the, like, that's the interesting thing, right? Like, think about how complex the artificial intelligence and the computer vision, spectrometry, we see a ton of stuff with it you know, is in the space. Like one of our companies, Ground Truth, um, they're using uh, computer vision and artificial intelligence to do grain grading, which to the layman sounds like, well, how hard would that be? Well, a lot of people don't even realize there's, you know, there's a top side and a bottom side to a kernel of wheat. And and like, is this powdery mildew or simple mildew? Is this, you know, there, Like what's on this thing? What grade is it? One, two, three. Like these are typically chemical analysis type of stuff. And we think we can do it by, computer vision those are really complex problems that if you are right on the combine space, in real right like, in, in real time. time yeah
0: like with it with like something basically uh, a camera on the in the tank that's right yeah, 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 yeah doing
1: this in real time so you can also geolocate it which then gets interesting nicer, so not my dad climbing
0: system. up on the machine putting in his teeth going mm, i think this is this yeah this feels right <laughs> that's, that's where i grew up yeah. that's right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah no this is good this is good it's got good snap down yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I just appreciate how like those things are evolving to give more power also into the farmer's hand to understand the value of this commodity that they are now producing. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 then the information that flows from that because then once you get that, this, these are all puzzle pieces, big complex puzzles. So now you start yep. correlating that to the satellite imagery, to rainfall and weather stuff, you know, fer- fertilizer plans and crop protection plans. and and start going smart smart
0: application of chemicals and fertilizer because putting it on an area that doesn't need it you're just wasting money well and Mm -hmm. even
1: start optimizing upstream turns out that this wheat is the best wheat for making this type of bread you know i don't know whatever it is um so okay now we can actually zero in because we've got enough information we can actually now solve some of those problems um and and feed it through
0: well, it's such an environment. Speaking of ma- like the mass amount of data that you have in that environment, and the ability to collect it, one, but then harness it yeah. and turn it into actionable insights. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ripe for that Big time. <laughs> pun intended. Yeah, it's ripe for that kind of uh, that optimi- that optimization where dollars and pennies matter. And commodity prices go up and they go down and they move around. So being a, being as efficient as you can is always going to be part of the value proposition. So if I'm a potential investor and I'm thinking about your fund, is this something you know? Obviously, you said you said I, I want to get exposure to the the space, but are you finding you're attracting people that have already an exposure and understanding and and just want to get more involved because they already appreciate and understand what's happening in Ike?
1: Uh, we, we see kind of I'd say both both ends. Like you know, yeah. trying to figure out how to get in or or know it intimately already. Um, and others that that don't um, and are looking for that education and then and then kind of see, wait a minute, this is something here. Like like often they come in with enough of a, wait a minute, there's something happening here with agriculture. You know for, even if you just talk sustainability and kind of clean tech at ESG, mm-hmm. you' you're hard to have those conversations today without involving agriculture. You know, we talk about in Alberta, we want to kind of create this hydrogen economy, and what does that mean? Well, you, you can barely talk about hydrogen without talking uh, agriculture, because, you know, the, the kind of more stable way to move hydrogen around is in the form of of ammonia, and <laughs> ammonia is fertilizer. And so we've already been doing this for decades. And so, like, these problems are so interconnected, um, sort of the solutions that, you know, that's kind of opening people's eyes up to what's here, and, and then, you know, often come in, and then we're happy to kind of walk through you know why we see this as so kind of generational shifting, um, you know, in, in kind of what's happening underneath of us, and and why Western Canada in particular is so extremely well positioned uh, to benefit on this. While while the rest of the world is you know flashing red lights on your on your portfolio.
0: I appreciate the geography, and hey, I, I I'm very pro Western Canada, as you know. Yes. So I appreciate. I love that you you tied that back, and you said something interesting about you know <laughs> downtown Vancouver seeing some of these solutions and some of these opportunities and, and companies coming to the table that don't necessarily have their roots in egg, but they see a piece of technology that they've created or, you know, s- some of the, like just staring at this image you have of one cup AI, seeing the opportunity at identifying that they can come into that space and, and add value. To me, that's really going to amplify the opportunity for deal flow.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the great things that we have in Canada is, you know, in a lot of ways, and this is kind of similar to other sectors in canada but like we're kind of like little mini um you know uh, you know ecosystems of other stuff and so like the bc lower mainland from an agriculture perspective is not too dissimilar from california well california is a massive market for agriculture it's the salad bowl of north america um <laughs> and so but this gives canada a really interesting advantage we can try all this stuff at home we can innovate in downtown vancouver because we're less than an hour drive from some of the most prolific blueberry fields um, Certainly in North America, and arguably. From world.
0: from from the from the laboratory, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. So
1: we can get in and we can <laughs> get going. And, and the prairies obviously is, you know, massive. But the
0: ability to scale that now once you've tested and de-risked it is massive exactly. because it's your it's your neighbor to the south who can relate to your geography and like yeah. it makes it more oh yeah, of course. If you're there and I'm here, well that we're we're gonna be able to to, to to benefit from that. That's right. And that's yeah.
1: part of, you know, what we've seen of our international mm-hmm. deal flow that's come into us. You know, we haven't gone out to these markets and done a whole bunch of of marketing work to try and drum up deal flow this is all just organic and, and in a lot of ways you know, we see stuff that comes in from europe and israel and other markets because they want to come here and and work with firms like ours to bring them in and get them that local knowledge help really accelerate their growth profile because they see this as a great stepping stone into the overall kind of north and south american markets if you're in israel mm, it's a pretty small market okay.
0: Yeah, no 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 doubt. So certainly sounds like a strong value proposition to be based here, even though the companies you've listed off have all are all from somewhere else. But the fact that you're based in Western Canada, that 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 ties the story together is what I'm hearing yeah. from putting on my marketing hat.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: So nuts and bolts, you've been doing, you've been raising since May. You've got five, five portfolio companies that you guys are, are supporting. That's just getting up and rolling the fund. You're, you said a couple months, you were a little loose on, on, on the close, which I do, I do appreciate that, yeah. but you're kind of, you're, you're basically getting near the tail end of, uh, locking down this, this, this first fund one. And is, is right. are you guys calling, everyone seems to call it fun one, fun two. Yeah. Is this fun one? This is,
1: yeah, this is fun one, you know, okay. unoriginal, right? We'll just number them. Um, and so that, yeah, this is, <laughs> it works.
0: So sometimes it just works? Yeah. Right, it just
1: right, works. Right. Why change it. Um so yeah this is fun one um you know typically when these types of funds you're allowed to raise capital into them for a uh, 12 months from when you first start so in that you know in in our case that would be august um is kind of the period that we're allowed and so you know we're kind of nearing that but but we're also nearing the end in that as i mentioned we've we've had good traction raising capital um of course there's still room left always happy to talk to people that are interested um, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we're, we're not trying to, you know, raise the biggest fund in the world. We're trying to raise the fund that's right sized for the opportunity that we see in front of us. And so, you know, as a result, we have an upper limit on it and, and there's been lots of good interest. And so, um, you know, as we just continue to push and, and, and the opportunity we believe is also time bound. And so the faster that we are able to raise our capital, um, and the faster then that we're able to deploy it, you know, within reason of being intelligent about it. Um, you know, the, the better we're able to generate these returns. And, and this is a very interesting environment that we're in with all of the kind of macroeconomic, geopolitical stuff that's going on, um, has really created um, certainly a, a, a very uh, bright spot in the market right now.
0: Would you say it's become more balanced? I know even when we chatted back in April, and I was listening to our podcast. listening to it yeah. this morning. You said you said at that point that things were starting to recalibrate and was coming back a little bit more favorable to the investor, and valuations were maybe getting back to a more acceptable, you know, yeah. a, 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 an area that sets us up for better future success than maybe what an overvaluation yeah. does. Is that continuing to happen in terms of like I know you, there's rare moments of balance. You either stream through it to one side and one side has the power, or you stream through it to the other side, and the other side has the power. Would you say some of the, you know, socioeconomic and some of the destabilizing factors, you can't turn on the news without hearing the word recession, yeah. is that creating a little bit more balance in the market right now yeah, for, it, for the opportunities you're looking for?
1: It has, it, it has certainly tipped the balance more in favor of the investor, you know, valuations are kind of coming down. The, this speed of transactions has slowed, which is good, it, you know, allows us more time to to be very careful about what we invest in and where we can add our value. And so that, you know, from our perspective, that's a good thing. Um, what what it's also done is is capital that that was kind of coming into this space, um, you know, as a kind of a, as a plus one. Hey, we're doing whatever industrialization technologies. Well, that will include ag in that, or we're doing sustainability, and we'll include some ag stuff in that. Um, those have kind of pulled away from the ag market, so there's fewer mm. players in the space. Okay. Um. So that's stuck to their knitting.
0: Stuck to their knitting. As you. That's will. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: you know. It's kind of. It's a classic defensive kind of move, right? Things are a little tough. I'm going to go closer to where. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to narrow. and yeah. I'm going to
0: narrow in and focus and focus. Yeah. Hard. And be
1: yeah. where I'm yeah. best, which is great. We would do the same thing. You know. I'm not knocking anybody on that. Um. And so we've seen that kind of well, dynamic
0: you, for you, that was an advantage because this is where you've have right. chosen to point your to point your energy. Point your energy. Yeah, mm.
1: That's exactly right. Um. And so that so that's been good. What has also been interesting is looking at kind of bigger trends around early stage investing and where capital's flowing and this sort of stuff, you know, not just in Canada, but in North America, um, you know, agriculture technologies, ag and food tech has seen the least amount of compression from, you know, deal volume and, mm. and valuations compared to others. And so tells us a couple of things. One, it also didn't experience the same level of kind of overhype um, that drove valuations up. <laughs> the roller
0: coaster ride is a little more smooth. Right, right. A little <laughs> little
1: smoother. So you didn't have the peaks, you know, you don't have the valleys. Um, but the other yeah. part that's been interesting is, again, back to these kind of big macro trends. Well, if there's places to allocate capital right now, this is where it is. And so, um, you know, we continued to see, you know, that driving of if we're going to do something, we should be doing it in, in egg and food.
0: Interesting. And do you think there's still some of that food scarcity hangover that came out of COVID? Oh, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say it's over. Inflation, there's still a huge price pressure on food just for the average individual. Like yeah. y- you don't have to look far to see who it's impacting. Just go to the grocery store and come home and go, what, how much was my basket cost here? Like it's, it's sometimes, just, I don't go to the grocery store often because it actually, it, I think it has a negative impact on me. I'm luckily my wife Definitely. goes for me, but I see, it, I'm like, what did we, what? What is going on here? Yeah. And that that's still a very real phenomenon that doesn't feel like it's dialing back anytime soon either. Just to be really pedestrian about that impact.
1: Yeah, like, you know, forget the comment of, you know, we were, we're not out of it yet. Or, or do we think it's over? Like, I think we're just getting started. Uh, That's the scary part. I think we're just getting started. back to
0: your comments about the cucumber index. You think they're expensive now. Wait till we cut 30% of our year access to that fertilizer that actually helps make your land more potent at this point. That's right. right. Mm -hmm.
1: And and then, you know, the longer that Russia, Ukraine and that region are in conflict um, you know, the longer fertilizer is displaced, the longer that that production base is out of whack. Um, you know, we're seeing big, um, you know, natural gas pricings all over the map on continental Europe that impacts their ability to feed themselves. And so then the trade flows start moving around, like it all, like it's all interconnected. We've had, we've had kind of gnarly weather in Brazil. Brazil is a major growing region. Oh, guess what? All their fertilizer comes from Russia. Um, you know, that's a problem now. Like, so just on and on and on. No, we're only, we're only getting started with, um, how gnarly food is going to be for the next little while.
0: So not to end on a doom and gloom note, so therefore in lies the opportunity that's to right. increase efficiency, use technology to quote unquote, do it better.
1: That's right. Yeah. The, the, the answer becomes, they're not making more land. Um, you know, the, the answer becomes technology. How can we do a better job with what we have? Well, that's technology.
0: No question. Boom, mic drop. Wilson, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for being transparent and just kind of walking us through the the, 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 the journey of raising this thing. It was, it, was, it, was, it was quite, I enjoyed listening to this morning's episode from last year, <laughs> knowing you and knowing how much has happened in this period of time. So kudos and high fives for you guys for hustling it. None, none of this happens by accident. And I love what you guys are all about, and I love I love what you're building. And thanks for coming on the show and being transparent. And uh, Tallgrass VC, go check it out. You got some great information. I was just commenting, you're updating. It's good to see some of these portfolio companies. And the, there's definitely some rabbit holes to go down here. And uh, check out what you guys uh, are, are working on. If anyone wants to get a hold of you directly, what's your per- like? Everyone can get a hold of everyone, but what's your preferred? Do you have a Do you have a channel you let you you you'd rather be reached out well, on? Well,
1: You can always find me on LinkedIn. You know, often that's the easiest for people. Uh, my, you know, my direct email at Tallgrass is W Acton, W-A-C-T-O-N at Tallgrass dot V-C. So, you know, feel free to email me there, um, you know, but typically you're going to be creeping me on LinkedIn first. So you can just hit, hit the message there. Happy to do it that way.
0: Very good. Awesome. Well, Wilson, we'll uh, high fives and thanks for coming on the show, man. I always enjoy our chats.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me.